What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guest today is Gabby Dizon from Yield Guild Games, commonly called YGG. YGG is a platform that allows people from anywhere in the world to earn real value from gameplay, an amazing product that is only possible in crypto. Gabby is a longtime game designer, developer, and founder who was bitten by the crypto bug years back and dove in headfirst. Gabby has this incredible ability to see far into the future and execute on his vision. We first spoke to each other sometime in 2019, and part of our discussion was around generating yield inside crypto games. So YGG is something that he's been thinking about for a very long time. If you want to peer into the future and learn about an emerging billion-dollar industry, you cannot miss this episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Gabby. Gabby, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So I've been around computers all my life. I think the first computer that ever played with was a Commodore VIC-20. So I've been playing a lot of uh, PC games, RPGs, first-person shooters growing up. And I knew when I was growing up that I always wanted to be a game developer. So um, a couple of years after graduating, I joined the team that went on to, uh, to release the first game in the Philippines. This was 2003. And then I had several kind of game jobs after that. In uh, 2014, I put up a studio called Altitude Games, uh, which is still around today, with four other co-founders. And Altitude Games started as a mobile game developer, so we were uh, making casual games for Android and iOS phones. Um, Three years into the studio in 2017, we heard about Ethereum and uh, smart contracts, and we were super intrigued and wanted to see how uh, how blockchain could could disrupt the game industry and so we started digging in and researching about it and yeah from there we heard about crypto kitties and uh, nfts and yeah i just fell in love and you know a few years later here i am today that's amazing okay so when you were learning about crypto and ethereum and, and kind of these these you know blockchain technologies in general what was it that initially attracted you to them like was it you're like okay Users can now, you know, own their items or, oh, this is really cool that it's totally decentralized. What were those kind of factors that, that made, you, made you initially attracted to uh, blockchain and crypto? It, it was originally the concept of programmable money of Ethereum that was super intriguing. And the fact that the ledger was immutable, things were stored that were permanent. Just coming from a software background, knowing how databases work. Just having a permanent online ledger seemed like a really interesting feature to have. And when we dug in and realized that you could apply these as NFTs to game items and you could actually own your digital assets permanently, not only, you know, coins, tokens, but also like game assets. Uh, that's when it really clicked and that, I was like, wow, like if you could apply this to, for example, your inventory in an RPG, like that would be really game changing. So that's super interesting because I feel like I often hear, <clears throat> like nowadays I hear that game developers are like, okay, blockchain and NFTs, they're not scalable. Therefore, like we can't use them in our game and it just slows things down. So why, why did you think differently? Why were you like, oh, actually there's massive applicability here uh, in the gaming world? Yeah, that's like people who are complaining about internet speeds and modems in the late 90s, right? Like, uh, of course, like at the start, it's not, I would say it's not that scalable. 
Um, but I've been part of, I would say, several shifts in technology, in the games industry, in larger tech. Like I remember uh, being in the game industry in the late 2000s when uh, the iPhone first came out and then introduced the concept of the App Store. And when it started, there were some really stupid apps, like, like one of the best-selling apps was a fart app. And we, we couldn't figure out then, but we knew it would really change the game industry. And you know, here we are later with, I don't know how many billions of dollars that, uh, that is uh, circulating in the app industry. I really felt the same way uh, when we were starting to play with Ethereum. And like, I didn't know how long it would take definitely. And uh, the technology was definitely kind of very raw then. And in many ways, the, the user onboarding is still, I would say far from ideal now. But the, the experience you have with a global ledger of assets that, you know, eventually kind of make up the backbone of the metaverse. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, it, it, it really blew my mind on kind of what it could enable in the future. And I said, like, I really want to get like to dig deeper into this. So what are the big since you've been active in, in the game space, what are the big kind of, I guess, technological paradigms or platforms that games have been built on because you mentioned that you were kind of at the start of mobile mm -hmm. and i know that that was kind of a huge uh gaming platform yeah. and uh what, what about like social games were you around for like the facebook farmville type games oh and yeah so <laughs> uh where do you see blockchain and crypto is, is that as big as mobile or is that way larger when i think when i started uh pc and console games were the only ones that were really taken seriously Mobile games were kind of like not really taken seriously as like this uh, as really part of the game industry. And then mobile started taking off and then social Facebook started taking off. Um, and with the rise of that free to play started taking off and the people who weren't taking it seriously had to watch as you know, the that part of the industry rapidly grew and suddenly made so much money that they had no choice but to take it seriously. So I would say that um, for blockchain-enabled games, it would be also a certain class of game in its own. I mean, there's several characteristics that uh, would uh, would want you to use blockchain in game. I think foremost is that having a sense of kind of a global economy. I think MMOs are the best example for this, where you know games like Eve Online or World of Warcraft, you have different uh, currencies, you may have different resources, and if you want to for them to have value i think the best thing is to kind of store them on chain and let players be able to trade them freely and uh, if you store them on blockchain they have the benefit of you know the players having i would say sovereign ownership over these assets and being able to cash them out and yeah that's just a game changer where it's never really been possible in uh in the games before so in your opinion is is blockchain gaming and kind of cryptocurrencies as a whole entering entering the gaming ecosystem is this the largest opportunity that you've experienced comparative to mobile social all the other all other kind of types of games yeah absolutely i think so and you know like it's i would say it's a big claim to say that because there are billion dollar game companies and there are games that have made a lot of money but all of them are still in silos right like um, a clash of clans uh, versus the game that you know Call of Duty, like they their own their own little ecosystems, um, and you know a lot of people in uh, in the blockchain gaming world kind of say this that we want to build towards 
the metaverse. And I think there are a couple of schools of thought on this. One is that coming from kind of the more traditional game industry with a Roblox or a Fortnite, wherein they are their own little ecosystem with lots of different experiences that people can build on top on. And in the blockchain space, when you talk about metaverse, you're thinking more of Ready Player One, wherein it's an open economy where other people can build their own experiences, their own economies, but uh, because they're on a shared ledger, they're uh, interoperable. And I say that, I think that experience, building on top of the metaverse and with people living more of their lives online, that is kind of the great, one of the greatest opportunities that we've, we've ever faced. And we're just at the very cusp of it. Okay, so yeah, definitely. I love your thesis and, and thoughts on the metaverse. I, I you know, completely agree with that. So I know you set up Yield Guild Games. I'd love to learn more about what Yield Guild Games is and why is it exciting? Sure. So I've been playing a lot of different uh, blockchain-based games since I got into the space in 2018. Um, made our own. We we shipped a uh, a racing game on Decentraland with NFTs. But I really fell in love and kind of became close to the team and the community at Axie Infinity. And the the nice thing about Axie is that it actually started off as a uh, CryptoKitties derivative. So they're you know cute digital pets that you could breed, um, which at the start it was not so different from CryptoKitties. But the team just added a lot of, uh, layered a lot of different gameplay to it um, along the way that it really came, stood out as a, a different game and, and a unique IP in its own right. So so Axies themselves, they're kind of cute axolotl type pets. And then there are six different abilities that, uh, that you can use uh, that map to different uh, moves in battle. You need three of these Axies to form a team to fight another player. And what the team did last year is that they, they pretty much invented the category that we call play to earn now. There's a tokenized resource that you win when you play the game and win games. It's called SLP or Smooth Love Potion. And what this token does, what this resource does is that you need to burn it as a cost for you to breed axes to create a new one. Um, in CryptoKitties, breeding is free, so you have the massive inflation of NFTs. And that's, that's how it's been done in other games as well. So interestingly, Axie invented this resource that you needed to pay as a cost so that you could create new Axies, but you could earn it by, by playing games. So if you are someone who likes to play a lot of Axie Infinity and with games, you get a lot of SLP. If you're someone who likes to breed Axies, and sell them maybe to new players or just collect a lot of them, then you would either need to play a lot or you would need to buy it from someone else. Now, a few years ago, it would have been really kind of tricky to turn SLP, which is an in-game resource into money. But two things happened. One is that you could sync your SLP from the game into your Ethereum wallet. And second, because of Uniswap, now anyone can create a pair uh, put swap SLP for Ether and then swap Ether eventually for fiat in your home country. So now you could actually convert your time and effort and skill and winning games directly into money. And yeah, this is really fascinating because a lot of the kind of uh, play, to, play to earn kind of games before had a finite set of rewards. It's like 
you know, oh, I have a set amount of ether as a prize pool. This one actually used supply and demand of the game. And as long as there was demand for people to buy SLP, then people could sell it to those buyers by, uh, via the AMM such as Uniswap, and it actually created a market for, for this resource. Um, so I'll go to the next uh, part of that story. So people were playing Axie Infinity, they were stacking SLP, they were breeding Axies, and this became really relevant around this time last year at the start of the pandemic. Um, a lot of people in my country, in the Philippines, so uh, people got laid off. The unemployment rate was almost like up to 40% at that time. And people were getting really desperate, honestly. Like they're laid off, they're at home, no money, um, running out of food. And people in the ru rural Philippines, in the city of Cabanatuan, um, they found some people there that were playing this game, Axie, and actually turning their uh, their winnings, their SLP winnings, into pesos, into Philippine pesos. And that was really amazing. And the best part there was that they were actually earning more money playing this game, earning SLP and cashing out to pesos than they were from the jobs that uh, they were laid off from. So that, that fueled the kind of player boom of Axie in uh, around, I would say, June to around September last year. There, there were just so many people coming in. And at that time, I had a lot of axes. I probably had maybe 800 at that time. So I was selling axes to people who were coming in who wanted to earn. I was selling them almost at cost. If people couldn't afford them because they didn't have money, I would just give them the axes and say, hey, you can repay me once you've earned enough playing SLP, earning SLP. And uh, they would actually pay me back like most of the time within a month. So that was pretty amazing. And it was during that experience that I realized that, you know, play to earn can have such a large impact in people's lives. It wasn't just about playing a game anymore. It was using your time and skill and turning that into money because you're connected to the crypto economy and people were willing to buy the, the assets that you were producing by playing this game. And yeah, so that's what started Yieldia, this whole experience. And this is something that we're really trying to scale in a large way right now. And allowing people to play games and earn real money and earn real value from that is just massive, massive, massive implications. So it's, it's really amazing that you identify that and, and, you know, with your gaming knowledge and, and with your crypto knowledge kind of combined uh, those two factors into uh, what is Yield Guild today. Um, I think that obviously it's, it's going to be very, very large and, and we'll get deeper into it later. But uh, I, first, I, I want to know uh, about the team. Like, how, how did you assemble uh, the team behind uh, Yield Guild? Huh. Very funny. So I was actually yield farming with my co-founders at that time. So Beryl is a friend of mine from here in the Philippines. She's been in the crypto space, I think, from 2013. And her background is uh, more in fintech, um, crypto exchanges, wallets. So kind of more from a traditional finance to crypto exchange background. And uh, yeah, I was actually teaching her how to use MetaMask and yield farming. My, uh, my other co-founder, my technical co-founder, his name is Owl of Moistness. So he is a very good friend from the Axie community. And he's a programmer by nature. He's a really good smart contract developer. And yeah, we were also yield farming together. And when uh, this uh, thing in the Philippines came up, I was like, shucks, like who would I want to start uh, a company with who I want to start a guild, guild with. And I asked both Owl and Beryl if they wanted to start with me and they said yes. And yeah, here we are now.
That's amazing. I, I love that you met your your co-founder while yield farming. That, that, that's, that's super appropriate. <laughs> All right. So can you tell me more about um, what other platforms besides Axie Infinity that uh, yield guild is is most active in or will become most active in sure so yeah the the bulk of our operations that are doing kind of lending uh asset lending nft lending so that people could earn money is is mainly based on axie but then we've started investing in assets in other games as well so for example uh, we have an esports team in formula one delta time so we, we bought a bunch of cars and now they're racing, they're getting better and earning rev prize money. We have uh, two estates in Sandbox um, and we haven't figured out what to do with that yet. But what excites me a lot about Sandbox is that it's not just players that are going to earn some kind of income there. It's also creators, right? So we're going to be working with, you know, avatar designers. Uh, virtual fashion designer, someone is going to de uh, design our guild headquarters there. So there's a lot of room for uh, for other people to to kind of earn something in in that game as well. And from there, we we've taken kind of a longer look at what the play to earn industry looked like. If you go to our Discord server, there's 28 games in there, and some of them um, our community just plays for fun. But if we identify a game that is good play to earn tokenomics, and then and you know assets that we can buy and lend to our players then we come in and we invest and we've actually started making some earlier stage investments where we got into private sales of games like Illuvium and Star Atlas and yeah there's a, a couple of more that we're about to go in right now so it's it's a really exciting time very cool so could you explain to me how how things work uh, operationally or like on a mechanical level so can anyone join Yield Guild and start uh, like you know essentially join the guild and start kind of participating in yield generation or are they all kind of like independent and then they uh, you know i guess give some proceeds to the to the guild in exchange for some items or something like that right so it's very i would say community based you hop on to our discord discord.gg ygg and then you'll see a li long list of games there that people are playing and it's really for a community member like how do i uh, make myself useful to a sub-community that's playing a particular game. So, the, so don't think of YGG as kind of one monolithic entity. Think of it as groups of people that are engaged in different games. And for people that are super active in one game, that might be, you know, that might be the guild to them, right? So we have a game, for example, called League of Kingdoms, where we bought some assets in. I think we have an 86-plot estate there that we we bought for over twenty thousand dollars in january and we have over a hundred people playing that game now and what we did in that game actually which is what we're going to do in some of the other games is that for we we created a token that represents a fractional ownership of our assets in the game so it's called the ygg allocate token for league of kingdoms and instead of having our players buy lands they bought uh they bought into this token at basically the uh, at cost of acquiring the land. So now they're part owners, fractional owners of the land that they're using in the game. And they have govern, uh, governance uh, control too. We set up a snapshot page. Um, one proposal has been passed. So this is something that we want to scale uh, across Yield Guild, wherein a lot of our different games will have their own tokens and then players will be able to buy in it. And 
that makes them basically like a part owner of the assets that you're using, which means they'll care a lot about that game. They'll care a lot about earning yield. They'll care a lot about the community that is in that game. And yeah, that, that is how we plan on scaling yield. yield. We, we call it a, a DAO of DAO structure. And yeah, I, I haven't really seen anything like this before. That is incredible. I, I absolutely love that. And, and I think that you're, you're right to do that because um, NFTs, the world of NFTs are quite diverse. It's uh, there's different mechanisms that drive value towards different things. There's different uh, mechanics that are needed to generate yield in different platforms. So this structure seems really, really inventive and, and sound, sounds perfect. So, you know, awesome, awesome for that. All right. So I, I want to know about, about what your thoughts are on uh, how sustainable uh, yield generation can be for these different platforms or games. So, so you know, Axie, Axie Infinity, in my opinion, is going to keep growing. It's a great game, great team, et cetera. Um, but you know, how do you think about that long term? Like, let's say, you know, next year or even next like five years. Right. So I think what's really important for these game developers is to find a play to earn tokenomic system that is not dependent on handing out their governance token. You're seeing this play out in DeFi, wherein, you know, at the start of the protocol, people are doing liquidity mining, yields are high, people are earning. But when the yields stop, people actually start using it and users drop off. So the players are the developers cannot be dependent on giving out their governance token. And what is one of the reasons that Axie Infinity also excels really well. So SLP itself is an in-game resource with its natural supply and demand. So, you know, if there's a lot more people selling SLP than buying, then the price goes down. But because there are new players come in, people want to breed new axes to sell to them. So they are buying SLP. So the demand goes up and price goes up. And this is apart from their governance token. And they've also set aside um, uh, actually a pretty substantial amount of their token for to incentivize play to earn. But even without incentivizing it with their governance token, the system actually works really well. And with the new games that we talk to, this is what we advise. Like if you have your tradable tokenized resource with its own natural supply and demand, it's really powerful more than just incentivizing with, with the governance token. So will you get involved in a game that doesn't, doesn't yet have a very kind of sustainable game loop or, or do you only get involved with, with games that already have kind of proven out a, a very sustainable model? Well, I would say proven out because we've invested in games that haven't launched yet. But we do take a look at how the teams look at tokenomics and we kind of offer ourselves as a sounding board as well so that uh, we try to see how these teams are thinking about, you know, how are we making a circular economy of supply and demand so that people would want to buy assets inside the game. And this is how kind of the whole uh, tokenomics loop works. So yeah, so it's something that we advise with. And I think, yeah, some of the new games that are coming out are starting to get it as well. So, okay, so what so far within Yield Guild do you think that you've done, executed on very well? And what is something that you think that you could have executed on in, in, in a you know better way? Sure. So uh, the biggest success so far in our end has really been the scholarships or uh, the scholarship program is what is kind of called in the Axie community as the Axie Lending Program. So now we have, I think, over 2,500 Axies and um, over 700 people around the world who are earning SLP. And these are, you know, from very diverse places, not just the Philippines, but 
Indonesia, India, uh, Venezuela as well, where SLP is, I think, more stable than their local currency. We're starting at the community in Brazil. What's really amazing to me is how far the reach of this system uh, can go and actually liken it to a digital version of Uber. But instead of the players working for the system, they're actually working for themselves. And they have upside because they get paid in crypto tokens that they can you know, uh, either change for SLP, they can buy things like Ether or invest in land. So it's something that kind of benefits these people more than the kind of web to uh, gig economy like Uber. For things that uh, we could have done better, so I think in in the last few months, I would say that we like we've wanted to grow the team kind of faster so that we could build out more stuff. But it's been hard for us to really identify like what what kind of team that we want. So that like there's so many things we want to do. We want to put up like an NFT rental marketplace, for example. We want to put up like dashboard analytics that compete with the DeFi protocols. And I think, you know, this will all come eventually, but we kind of first need to build out the team. And that's that's one thing we're prioritizing on now. So how do you think about building out a team? Are, are you looking at people that have like traditional gaming backgrounds? Are you looking at people that are deep in the weeds on, on NFT games or, you know, and yeah, just I'd love to hear about that process. Right. So the, uh, as someone who's uh, owned a company and hired for a lot of people, I really had to shift my thinking on how to build a team because, I mean, for Yield Guild, I don't even view it as a company. It is a startup in many ways, but it's a crypto network and um, managing a crypto network is very, very different from managing a company. I, I don't even call myself a CEO. I'm one of the co-founders of Yield Guild, but you know, we have a small core team. We're six people now, including the founders. And we have a large community. A lot of them are contributing to us in some way. So the incentives are very different when you're in a company that is a lot more structured. You're getting a salary. You're getting equity. You have kind of office hours. You have an HR system. And a lot of that is, I would say, replaced by just uh, incentive systems um, in uh, in crypto networks. So definitely you want to uh, incentivize people. Usually it's around the token and the vision. You usually want the vision to come first because if you uh, if the token comes first, then you can have people that are, I would say, more, more mercenary. Um, and yeah, we've been experimenting on different ways. So uh, it, we've been a little slow in growing the team because we really wanted to make sure that the people fit. But that said, there have been some excellent people in the community that are contributors, either part-time or, you know, people just helping out so much so that it's it's kind of hard to tell whether they're actually part of community or team. Like, it, it the lines kind of blur at some point. That's super interesting. Okay, so, so tell me about, uh, are, are you guys going to launch a token? And if so, what is that token's purpose going to be? Yeah, I'm, I haven't talked about it much and probably this is the first time that I'm talking about it in public. But yeah, we are going to announce a token in the near future. And for those who are listening now, there's no date yet. So please don't ask me. But the way that the token works is that it's actually a token that is an index of all of the assets that we have in, uh, in the different games. So how it works is that we... 
we have these sub tokens right now we have one called ygg lok we're gonna have one probably for ygg axi ygg rev ygg sandbox and all the other games and um, our players are gonna own a chunk of these uh, sub tokens because that represents their kind of equity value and so the more they play the more they build the value in the game in these games the more the value of those tokens will, will grow and ygg itself the kind of mother dao the treasury will own a huge chunk of these sub tokens so it kind of represents an index of all the games that we have in the metaverse that people are using so uh, it's a scalable model if it works uh, it's a DAO of DAO system, so each one will be like its own mini DAO. And then we'll have the mother DAO that kind of owns a chunk of each of its quote-unquote subsidiaries, the, the sub-DAOs. And yeah, so that's, that's how we're thinking about it. That's awesome. Okay, so, so to dive deeper, if I'm playing Axie and I earn a Smooth Love Potions, SLP, yeah. do I... Do I uh, give that to the Yield Guild DAO, and then I, in turn, receive a token? Or or how does that work? Okay, so uh, for for Axie specifically, um, here's how our lending program works. So for the people in our scholarship program who are earning SLP, uh, they earn 70% of the SLP that they produce. Um, their community manager, who is in charge of recruitment and training, they earn 20%. And then 10% goes to the guild, which pretty much pays for gas fees and our associated costs. So this is uh, the structure in place right now, and people are earning from this right now. When we have the token, um, almost half of our supply, 45%, is actually reserved for our community. So our community will be able to earn the token by what we call community mining. Community mining is uh, our version of liquidity mining. We don't want people to provide liquidity and receive our token because that will favor the whales and our community is mostly not made up of whales they're mostly made up of players so what will happen when we launch the token is that people will be able to go to our website get a guild badge nft that signifies that they're member of the guild and then they'll be able to play some of our partner games such as axie and there'll be quests and when they achieve these quests then they'll they'll be able to receive the ygg token yeah, so it's it's actually interesting because it's the first time I've talked about this in public. Really excited to hear what our community thinks about this. And yeah, this is what we've been working towards pretty much since the start of the year. That's amazing. All right, so how do you think about platform risk? Like if let's just pretend, you know, Axie, Sandbox, like all these games go down. Uh, how do you, how do you, what, what is like your kind of plan then? Sure, as a meta guild of like, seeing all of the different games in the metaverse i think that insulates us a bit of platform risk in a way uh, we can see our portfolio a lot like maybe a hedge fund does or a vc does in that we have different games and we have different i would say bets amounts that have invested in each game as we see more traction in the game as we see more player interest or uh, good returns then we can bet more in it we can buy more assets and if that game eventually dies down, then are, we want our players to move to the next one. And yeah, we'll buy more assets there. So I think as, as someone who kind of looks at the entirety of the play to earn and metaverse space, I think we're a little bit insulated from uh, platform risk that way. All right, if you could snap your fingers and instantly enable some sort of really cool functionality, something that you've been kind of like dreaming of for, for a long time, 
uh, for YGG, what would it be? Oh my God, it would really be uh, the tr uh, trustless NFT lending. So there is no um, NFT standard right now for trustless lending. What we're doing right now is that we're using um, kind of in-game lending functionality wherein you know we can create accounts, put assets there, and then have people play them. Um, yeah, what, we, what we'd really love to happen is for this to happen at the protocol level, at the kind of ERC standard level. And I think once we're able to enable that uh, trustless lending, then uh, I think the entire metaverse economy would explode. Like it would be easy to rent out lands. It would be easy to rent out axes, cars, punks, what have you. It's something that I would really like to see happen very soon. So what do you think the main use cases or purpose, purposes that people would want to lend out their NFTs for? Like, is it purely for, okay, I'm going to um, lend out my, my Axie. The person taking the Axie is going to generate some yield from it for, from, from, smart, from farming small love po or smooth love potions. Or what are, kind of, what are the reasons why people would be lending? Yeah, that, that is definitely one use case. I, would, I could see uh, a huge use case in land and all of the kind of metaverse virtual worlds we have. There are a lot of people who have a lot of land that are itching to earn some kind of yield on it. And yeah, the best way to do that is basically lend it out, right? And when you lend out a piece of land, you don't really want to turn over private key access. You just want to turn over basically like build access to the person who is building on top of it. And I think that um, if you kind of build in rental contracts there, then that use case would really explode. Um, it might be that you want to borrow some wearable avatars that you would use for a party in Decentraland or Insomnium space and then return it after the party. So yeah, I think if you can do that and enforce the rental uh, via smart contract wherein it may be you're paying an X amount of money for, uh, for a certain amount of time. And if you don't pay, then the smart contract gives it back. I, I think there's just so many different applications that will really, um, really just have the economic use case explode if we're able to enable that. So I 100% agree with you for assets that, that can generate a yield. But for assets that don't necessarily generate yield, like let's say, let's say a, a, a piece of land in CryptoVoxels or a piece of land in Sandbox, et cetera, um, what what is the why would people want to rent? And and, and I know um, you know renting that there has been some renting going on, but it's not as widespread as I, I thought it would be. And the, the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, well maybe people don't really need to rent because you can kind of just teleport. In some instances, like in CryptoVoxels, you can uh, people don't want to rent because. You know, what's the point of building on someone else's land if you got to return it? Um, so I, I'd love to hear kind of your thesis on why people would rent land in, in the metaverse. Right. So I think that uh, generally prices are still not out of reach now that, you know, if you could buy, you would definitely buy. Um, but yeah, as the, you know, because the land is still generally scarce, especially for the good projects, I think the price of that land is only going to go up and you have crypto funds coming in, buying in these lands, you have some wealthy whales, it might actually be beyond the reach of individuals who would want to just build something cool. 
And you know, or there might be things like I'm a brand that is building a temporary installation in the central land. I don't need to buy land to do that. I was just want to rent one for a month or two, and then you know I can dismantle the building when I'm done. So yeah, I'm, I think we can, we're going to see a lot of those use cases where people just want to interact with the virtual worlds without necessarily owning the underlying land there. So what do you think will be the main use case for virtual worlds and you know the kind of the ones that we have today and kind of future ones because i see them as kind of a little bit like next generation social media platforms where you go there there's no objective you hang out with people talk to people you can go you know shopping buy your you know, your avatar some nfts some clothes or whatever um and i just see them as like these fun uh yeah more immersive social platforms what do you kind of see uh their their main use case being in the future Right, right. In in the last fifteen years, I guess it's just been via the use of websites, right, that we uh, interact with these social networks. I think you know, as the as the technology improves, especially as the state of like VR improves, we do want to be able to view other people inside virtual worlds. And of course, this happens in a lot of multiplayer games, but. I think there is a lot of demand for people to be able to interact with other people in what is not necessarily a game environment. So if I can hang around, if I can have a meeting or, you know, I just created this uh, group called the Crypto Science Fiction Book Club, where we discuss the kind of latest mind blowing sci-fi book. I want to be able to sit down on uh, on a conference room, maybe in Decentraland or Insomnium space and discuss the latest book that we read. I think that would just be mind-blowing, especially in the last year um, due to COVID. Like, haven't been to many conferences. I've talked to a lot of people like you over, you know, over Zoom, over Hangouts. But just having that sense of presence is something that people naturally crave. And as we spend more and more of our time online with, you know, with people that we deal with from around the world, I think it's just going to happen more in the context of the virtual spaces rather than kind of websites. Okay, so I, I guess you, you, know, you partially answered this, but I'd love to hear from you, what is the metaverse and why is it important? Wow, yeah, very loaded question. And I'm glad we are talking about this. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people who are listening to this have, uh, have probably either read or watched Ready Player One. The word metaverse gets thrown around a lot these days. And I think it means a little different to you know whoever is saying it. Um, for me specifically, what I'd like to believe in and what I'm working towards, what I'm dedicating the, at least the next decade of my life to is, is an open metaverse built on interoperable and open standards. We don't want the kind of epic metaverse versus um, the Facebook metaverse versus the Google metaverse versus the Apple metaverse. For me, that is kind of like, you know, Compact versus CompuServe versus AOL versus the open web. Like we want a metaverse of virtual worlds with, with the underlying economies, assets, items that are built on open standards and kind of open, uh, I guess, open uh, di uh, digital asset ledgers. So that is what I'm working towards. So that's why I'd like to see the economies of this world is basically built on blockchain or distributed ledgers because that allows for a level of 
uh, interoperability, composability, the ability to transport your assets in between worlds. That is honestly just not possible if you're using databases between different big companies. Okay, so is is the open metaverse only possible with kind of blockchain related technologies? Yeah, I believe so. So like for me, what is a blockchain? It is a uh, an open shared public database that is immutable, right? And those different parts that are extremely important, the fact that it is public and that anyone can plug into it and then not have to ask permission, that's very important. Um, it's shared, which means like we can see what everyone else is doing. You can build on assets other people are doing and then people can put their assets in what you're doing. That's also extremely important. And it's immutable, it's permanent, meaning there is no dispute over what happened in each block. So I think this is just the kind of fundamental building block of the open metaverse. And from there, we can build different experiences using the assets that are stored in these ledgers. And that's kind of the basic uh, building block that the metaverse is built upon. All right, so what do you think are the potential positive impacts of this metaverse that we're talking about? And then what do you think are the possible negative impacts of this metaverse? Right, so the way I see it, we're building a whole new world, a whole new economy that is kind of like a parallel economy to the physical one, right? You know, a lot of jobs are increasingly more and more, you know, computer-based. They're not physically uh, tied anymore to, to where you are. And a lot of coordination is now happening from global remote, remote teams around the world. And like part of the thesis with Yield Guild is that a lot of these jobs are just going to move online. They're going to move to the metaverse and they're even going to move towards different game economies where you don't just need players, you need fashion designers, uh, you need programmers, you need uh, people who can like design avatar fashion, for example. So there's just going to be a huge influx of new jobs in this new economy. And it would be like settling America in the 1700s, wherein, wow, there's a huge, huge tract of land that is undiscovered, that uh, that is unused. Let's go out and use it. And now it's open to anyone in the world who has something to bring to, to kind of this new world. And that's the part that excites me the most. We can have people from the Philippines who previously were stuck to minimum wage jobs earning maybe $200 a month. Now they can be settlers of the metaverse. I can provide uh, my labor, uh, my skill to games like Axie Infinity, Formula Delta One, um, uh, Sandbox, and you know can get paid for it because I'm providing um, something valuable to the economy. And anyone in the world with an internet connection, with a crypto wallet can participate in this. It's, it's just the most amazing thing to me. And I think that a lot of people will will see the leveling effect on this economy and have access to build wealth that is not possible based on where they are physically. All right, so th this is pretty sci-fi, but do you think that most people will, will in the future, will be kind of working and existing and spending the vast majority of their time in this metaverse-like environment? And uh, going off of that, do you think that most consumption, do you think people will stop consuming or, or reduce their consumption of physical goods 
uh, because they're they're you know spending their most of their you know buying power inside the virtual world. Yeah. So you're asking like, are are we moving into the matrix? <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> yeah. No. So I I think so. And the reason for that is that you know you're already starting to see people's uh, I would say use of status. Uh, shift online especially as people are stuck from home not as much into buying watches or cars but people are now buying you know crypto punks or mystic axes um, and as uh, automation takes over a lot of the kind of jobs in the physical world a lot of people are actually going to lose their jobs and a lot of people have been worrying about this it's like what are these people going to do and as it turns out the answer is they're gonna look for stuff to do online that makes them money, and in many ways, this is uh, like this is going to be in games and virtual world. So this is one of the important theses of why Yield Guild ex uh, exists. We consider ourselves to be kind of the employment agency of the metaverse, and it's not employment in the sense that where people are gonna look for nine to five jobs. I think people are going to find themselves in different crypto communities, different virtual worlds maybe part of a DAO, part of a small group, earn tokens, be incentivized by, um, by, by a token or a community that earns NFTs. And honestly, this is just the future of work and we're starting to see it now, but this is go only going to accelerate. And if it feels sci-fi to those people who are listening to this, maybe two, three years from now, it, I don't think it won't feel so sci-fi anymore. Awesome, okay, so what is your grand, let's say, you know, five, 10 year vision for, for Yield, Yield Guild? Okay, so uh, I want Yield Guild to be the best collection of yield bearing assets in the metaverse. And at the same time, we want these assets to be used by our player base to build wealth for themselves. So in a way, it's a combination of, we wanna be Berkshire Hathaway of the metaverse, just building the best collection of NFT assets that produce yield. But in a sense, we also want to be Uber in that we want our users, our players, to be using these assets to earn money for themselves. And on top of that, we want our player base to basically own as much of the network as possible. We don't want the token holders mostly to be VCs. We want the wealth to be redistributed to the people who are actually playing these games. and. Honestly, like we're, we're, we want to improve a lot of lives around the world for people who have not been able to access um, these uh, opportunities as an investment class before. So we want to be one of the greatest wealth levelers that the world has ever seen. Absolutely love that. That, 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 is, that is amazing. All right. So can you tell me about uh, some other, pro and yeah, switching gears here, tell me about some other projects or protocols or kind of any other cool things that, that you're working on now? Sure. So, yeah, I've been playing with a lot of kind of NFT and DeFi protocols in the past year. It actually started uh, last year when I fractionalized my very rare Axie called uh, Almes and I fractionalized it in a protocol called Niftex and that, that opened my eyes into uh, like how, how powerful uh, fractionalization is. So, I listed my Axie for uh, like 40, for 40 ETH um, valuation and then uh, minted a token called ALMX. 
and then it actually went as high as around 800 ETH at some point. And now I'm not sure of the Ether value, but I think the Axie is worth something like over a million dollars at this point. And I still own the double digit percentage of that. Uh, since then, I've done a lot of kind of borrowing and lending NFTs. I've borrowed and lent artwork through uh, for NFTFi. Um, recently, I've uh, done fractionalization again using a protocol called Uniquely. So Uniquely is very interesting. Um, it fractionalized entire wallets, and I've teamed up with a couple of friends to put up an 88 uh, NFT collection of hash masks um, uh, and also uh, created kind of a mini DAO and a token called UMask on top of it. So that, uh, yeah, I believe this is probably one of the most valuable collection of hash masks in existence. And yeah, just really having fun with, with kind of where NFTs, DeFi, play to earn meet. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, and also I think that there's, you're working on something called the Nara gallery. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to right. hear more so, about the, the Nara gallery. So I, I got into, uh, collecting crypto art. It was like late 2019. And actually I thought at first coming from a utility standpoint, from a gaming standpoint, that crypto art didn't make any sense. Like you just put pictures on top of NFT, like who would buy that? But I actually tried it for myself. Um, I sold a piece of land in Axie and I bought a Josie Bellini NFT. This is late 2019 for like uh, 0.3 ETH. And then a year later, I sold it for 3 ETH for 10 times the amount. And I was like, wow, not only is it actually fun to collect crypto art, it might be a decent investment as well. So I started collecting in a big way last year during the pandemic. And it, it was great because I was actually helping the careers of a lot of up and coming crypto artists, buying their art, helping them gain wider promotion. And a friend of mine, Colin Goltra, was doing this as well. And we joined the 100X Art District, which is a group of crypto art collectors that decided to to buy a, a huge estate in Decentraland and make basically a gallery district. And we had our own uh, estate there and we we're like, yeah, let's build a crypto art gallery together. And because we uh, we both come from Filipino heritage, I'm Filipino, Colin is Filipino-American, uh, we put up NARA Gallery and NARA is the national three of the Philippines to kind of show our heritage and it contains the work of the artists that uh, that we collect and that we promote. And yeah, NARA Gallery just had its first curated drop in Nifty Gateway. And yeah, it's it's been a ton of fun. Amazing. Okay, so also I, I read on your Twitter profile, there's something called Nifty Fund. I'd love to hear about that. Sure. So um, Nifty Fund is a kind of small fund that I put up with a couple of friends to do a lot of uh, investing and experimentation in the NFT space. So we actually started with... A very small amount it was like maybe 20k in january because we had invested together in uh uh in in a token before and then from there we were able to kind of buy different nfts nft related tokens we uh, bought into b20 very early uh we participated in the justin blau auction at origin uh, we bought into the hash mask and it's actually nifty fund that did the uh, did the fractionalization and is actually sitting on uh, more than a million dollars worth of assets now back from, uh, yeah, from 20K in January. Amazing. All right. So do you have any, I mean, I mean any more news or anything that you want to share? 
Well, there's going to be a lot of news that is happening um, in, in the next couple of weeks. I think by the time that this goes out, we would have had uh, our documentary released um, on, on NFTs and in the Philippines. It, it recounts the story of the people here in the Philippines that were uh, basically saved by play to earn and by playing Axie Infinity back in the early days of, uh, of the pandemic. So yeah, just play to earn is something that is really close to me. Like for me, I feel that my, uh, my, my career here in crypto, in NFTs, in play to earn, it's, you know, it's more than a startup. It's more than a job. I feel like it's my mission and, you know, I'm dedicating the next at least decade of my life to advance the metaverse, to extend play to earn to all corners of the world. And it's just really an amazing time to be able to participate in crypto at this stage. This is so much innovation going on. Just talking to you know a lot of top minds. Um, talking to you, Andrew, has been very fulfilling. We, we talked about having guilds that are uh, earning resources. I think it was like two years ago and here we are now, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's just been crazy ride, but it's also incredibly fulfilling. Yeah, no, I, I, what you said was absolutely beautiful. I, I vibe with that in so many different levels. And, and yeah, I think our, our first conversation, I want to say it was late 2019, early 2020, was about kind of yield generating, uh, the, the possibility of generating yield within uh, blockchain games. Yeah. So <laughs> to see you go, go, go from, you know, our conversation there to, to what you've built with YGG is just incredible. So, you know, absolutely hats off to you. It's, it's amazing. All right, well, Gabby, we, we, we got to jump into the closing questions. We, we could talk for hours. <laughs> sure, go ahead. All right, what is your single favorite NFT that you own? Um, it's uh, Alamaze. It's sharded now, but it's still my favorite NFT. All right, so Alamaze is the... Uh, the, is the Agamogenesis Axie, okay, Axie. Cool. yeah. So is it a mystic? No, it's uh, an Agamogenesis. There's actually only three of it in the world. Um, so it's kind of... Uh, I would say it's more unique than a mystic. Interesting. Very cool. All right. What is your most controversial thought relating, relating to NFTs? Huh. Controversial thought. Um, I would say that, uh, I, I don't know if it's controversial, but a lot of the NFTs in my collection probably won't have value 10 years from now. And that's okay with me. There's, and there's probably going to be a small number of NFTs in that collection that are going to kind of dwarf almost everything else. All right. If you could snap your fingers and instantly change or improve one thing in the NFT space, what would it be? I guess I just want people to collect with a more long-term mindset. Like a lot of people are very impatient about like making money. What's the price of an NFT today versus tomorrow? I like to think of my work here with at least a 10 year horizon. And I think it would benefit the entire space if people were also thinking uh, long term. I mean, yeah. Awesome. All right. Last question. Where do you see the world of NFTs in three years? Wow. Three years. So I do expect the kind of mainstream at the very least in the game industry to really start taking it more seriously. So at first, people are going to hate it. They're going to laugh at it. And they're going to realize that they're actually late to the trend. And I expect uh, NFTs to be uh, not just a store of value, but also a store, store of status for a lot of people. I think people will be flexing their NFTs to kind of show their tribal affiliation the way people flash their 
you know, their cars, their watches, their bags right now. So it's going to be, you know, what shoes am I rocking when I'm in uh, Decentraland, when I'm in Somnium space. And yeah, I, I just see a lot of that happening in three years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Gabby, this has just been an amazing conversation. I love hearing about your background. I love hearing about your passion about YGG and, and what you're building there. It's completely infectious. And, uh, and yeah, if people want to find out more about yourself, maybe join YGG, where should they go and what should they do? Sure. So just go to our Discord, discord.gg slash YGG. Um, and yeah, that would be the place to get started and just, just show up, start contributing to the community. And I think you're, you're going to find your place in there. Amazing. All right, Gabby, thank you so much and can't wait to talk to you again. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.